Turn with me in your Bible to, oh, where do we want to start today? I think it's Ephesians, no, actually it's Romans 12. Romans 12, and then we'll go to Ephesians 5. Um, how many of you, I'd like to see a show of hands of how many of you were just not able to be with us last Sunday. Could you raise your hand if you ditched? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, I'm not going to get any hands. I? I, I, it was a joke, church. There's times I haven't gone to church, okay? But raise your hand if you weren't able to be with us last Sunday. Okay. Um, for your sake, let me just say this. The, the service was archived, just like all our church services are archived. I would highly recommend if you missed last week, here last week. If you saw us online, then you've already heard it. But I like listening to what I preach later because everything I preach is not on my notes. It's the Spirit of God helping you through me. And I go over my own notes and I go over my own sermons because I believe I'm hearing from God when I'm preaching to you. Why wouldn't I go over hearing that sermon? Say, well, Pastor, you got an ego. No, I'm not stupid. I want to hear what the Spirit of God said to me that wasn't on my notes. If He gave it to you, if it's good for you, it's good for me. There's been times in my life where I've gotten into trouble and I said, Lord, what should I do? What should I do? He says, go listen to your own sermon. <laughs> if it works for the people, it works for you. Yeah. If it helps them get out of trouble, why wouldn't it help you get out of trouble? Lord, I'm in trouble. What should I do? Read your own book, son. <laughs> Amen. So, in Romans chapter 12, and I'll give you the title in just a second in case you don't know what it is, but I'm going to read Romans 12, and I believe it's verse 11. And it's an admonition to all believers. And it says that we are to not be slothful in business. Whole seminar right there. <laughs> but the next part is what I want you to see. But be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You know, one of the reasons people are having a hard time serving the Lord because they ain't doing it right. It's all natural effort only. It's all, I got to do this, I got to do that. You need to get to the, I get to do it stage. Got to and get to, two different things. When you're fervent in spirit, you want to do what God wants you to do. And this is why it can't just be a behavioral modification. This is why it can't just be a natural duty. Did you know you could do what the Lord wants you to do, but you did it unwillingly? You did it strictly from duty? You did it without any joy, and you'll still not get God's best out of it? God is really big on the heart. And when you do what He tells you to do with a willing heart, it opens you up to full rewards. It opens you up to fullness of blessings that come with acts of faith like that. And that's why He put fervent in spirit before serving the Lord. Actually, a lot of people don't really like serving the Lord messages, putting God first messages, because their spirits aren't on fire for God. To them, it's bondage. Oh, no. Ah, oh, when am I ever going to be able to do enough? We're just, we're just teaching scriptures. Oh, it just seems so hard to serve the Lord. Tell you what. Get on fire on the inside, and it won't be such a drag on the outside. Hmm? One of the most frustrating things is trying to do something that inside you're not capable of doing. 
Um, we'll talk some more about that in just a minute. But do you see here, serving the Lord comes after be fervent in spirit. Now, he says be fervent in spirit. If that automatically happened because you're a Christian, if that automatically happened because you, you know, love the Lord, then why would he say be it? Being fervent in spirit on the inside has to do with our choices and how we choose to live our days. What we choose to let into our lives, through our ears, our eyes, our attention, our influence, our associations. Being on fire for God is a biblical phrase. Did you know you don't have to be on fire for God to go to heaven? But if you want to win over temptation till you get to heaven. If you want to be very effective in ministering to other people, the book of Acts way. If you want to have power you know, over all these demon forces that are trying to get you and your family down, you're going to have to be on fire. Jesus overcame because he was filled with the Holy Ghost, not just because he was a son of God. Paul overcame because he was full of the Holy Ghost, right? Other people had success in their life. Not just because they were saved, not just because they were children of God, but because they were anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit, which is what this verse of Scripture is talking about. Be fervent in spirit. The, actually, I like the Moffat's translation. It's an older translation, not as old as King James, but um, it says in this verse here, do you have it up there? Can you put that up on the screen, please? Um, he says here, be fervent in spirit. The Moffat translation says, be, oh, excuse me, maintain the spiritual glow. Yeah. Well, that takes responsibility. Yeah. That doesn't happen because we kick back and do whatever we feel like doing every day. Maintaining the spiritual glow is like a fish swimming upstream when everybody else is floating downstream. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And so I want to talk to you about some practical ways we can maintain the glow and actually live a spirit-filled life. Anybody interested in living a life filled with God? Yes. You know what I mean? God's not an add-on. Well, if it's convenient, I'll do that. If I have time, I'll just go to church and pray. And if, that's, that's, that's called being saved. That's <laughs> not called being spirit-filled. And a lot of people think they're spirit-filled Christians because they had an experience three years ago where they were filled with the Spirit, hands were laid on them, they spoke with tongues. No, that's called having a spirit-filled experience. There's certain things we need to do to maintain spiritual fervor. Yes. And this in the end times is probably more important than any other time on this planet. Yep. Jesus in the book of Revelation talked to a church, a New Testament church, about an hour of temptation coming on the whole earth that without his help you wouldn't make it through. Well, Jesus made it through the most severe temptation the devil could ever throw at anybody, and it said he was full of the Holy Ghost at the time and spoke scriptures. Yep. Yep. Some people have wondered why their quoting scriptures hasn't gotten them victory over the temptations and the addictions in their life. Well, the first verse says Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the devil threw everything he had at Jesus. As a matter of fact, the devil said, you know what? Everything I have, Jesus, I'll give it to you. If you fall down and worship me. He threw everything he had at Jesus, and Jesus overcame it all. Yeah. And one reason is because he was full of the Holy Ghost and because he quoted scriptures. There's been people quoting scriptures, but they're not full of the Holy Ghost, and it hasn't worked like it worked for Jesus. 
being full of the Holy Ghost was a main reason why Jesus didn't give in to temptation. He had the Spirit of God power in his life. I know I made a very interesting statement a few moments ago, but I'm going to clarify this a little bit later. Jesus would not have been successful in his earthly walk if he had not been filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me put it this way. He, would not, he, he was not successful just because he was the Son of God. And you and I will not be successful in some of these areas just because we're saved and born again children of God. Jesus was a legitimate Son of God before He was filled with the Holy Spirit. That means you can be a legitimate, born-again child of God and not be filled with the Spirit. You have to kind of dissect these things to know where you're at. Was Jesus the Son of God before 30 years of age? When did Jesus get filled with the Holy Spirit? 30 years old. Was He a Son of God up till 30? Can you be a son of God and not be filled with the Spirit of God? Can you be a believer on your way to heaven, born of the Spirit, and not be filled with the Spirit? Yes, the devil wants people to think you got it all when you're born again. And you do as far as going to heaven when you die. That's all you need to be saved. Believe in Jesus. You're born again. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit, Jesus said. If you're born of the Spirit, you're born again, you're going to heaven. But that's not the only experience the Bible talks about. The Bible says a bunch of born-again believers were together one day in an upper room, about 120 of them, all born again. Jesus already breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. They were born of the Spirit. But in Acts chapter 2, it said they're all praying. All these believers are praying, seeking God, and all of a sudden, they're filled with the Spirit. And they start to speak in other tongues. Began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then it says in Acts chapter 4, the same group of people got filled with the Holy Spirit again. Yep. What? Here, here's, here's, here's the revelation. You leak. <laughs> we use up spiritual energy. Are you following me? And God designed the system in such a way we need Him every day. And that's a good thing. You know, it didn't say, give us this week our weekly bread. God wants to see you every day, honey. He wants you talking to him and fellowship with every, give us this day our daily bread. I believe the most important message to a born-again Christian is be filled with the Spirit and learn what it means to maintain a Spirit-filled life. I said this last week. I say this quite frequently because it's something the Lord revealed to me, and I can understand it this way is that there are actually, right now as we speak here, you may even know some of the people that are actually born again, spirit, uh, excuse me, born again people. Uh, people you know are Christians. They, they came to an altar call. You prayed with them. They got saved. They're, they're, right now, there are born again Christians on their way to heaven in prison. And I'm going to tell you, I believe the number one reason they are in prison. Because they weren't filled with the Spirit the morning of the crime they committed. They didn't have the power or the... If they were filled with the Holy Ghost the morning of the crime, they wouldn't even want to do the stupid thing they did. You know, when you're filled with the Spirit, you go from trying to trusting. You realize it's not all me, it's the greater one in me. I'm a worker together with God. Yes, you've got a part to play. Yes, you've got things. And yes, there's some effort. But I'm telling you, the effort is not near 
the effort that a lot of people are trying to put forth in the flesh to try to overcome things and be successful in certain areas. God wants to be your senior partner. Let him fill you. And if, turn to Ephesians 5, and I'm going to read you something very interesting here. Ephesians chapter 5, and let's start in verse 17. We'll read verse 17 and 18, maybe 19. Now, for, for you Bible scholars that are here, what is the book of Ephesians? Does anybody know what the book of Ephesians is? What we're going to right now? Does anybody know what that is? Huh? It's a letter. It's a letter. Y'all understand? It's a letter to the church at Ephesus, a real city in Paul's day. All right. Is Ephesus still a city today? Sean? No. No. So back in Paul's day, there was a city called Ephesus. And there's a bunch of Christians there who had gotten saved. And they actually got filled with the Spirit. If you read Acts chapter 19, the church began as a Spirit-filled church. They, they got filled with the Spirit. Paul laid hands on believers. They spoke with tongues. They prophesied. And the meeting was on. Good time. Years later, Paul writes to the same church, a bunch of believers. He's not writing to pastors that are gathered together in a minister's meeting. He's not writing to prophets and apostles only. He's writing to all the saints at Ephesus. If you read chapter 1, verse 1, 2, and 3, you'll see he's writing to every believer in a church in Ephesus. And he says to every believer, this is important because you can think, well, this is for pastor. He's, you know, he's, he's a pastor and this is for the leaders in the church. They're leaders in the church. Actually, this is the Lord Jesus talking to every believer in this room and online today. If you're a believer, this is for you. Ephesians 5, 17. Let's look at it. Wherefore, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, says, Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Interested in what the will of God is for your life? Next verse, right? Don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Capital S means Holy Spirit. If you read the surrounding scriptures, he's talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Question, can you be a believer? Can you be born again? Can you go to church? Can you really be on your way to heaven and not be filled with the Spirit? Sure. He's writing to born again, heaven bound. Christians who love God. And he's telling them, be filled with the Spirit. If, we, if we're filled with the Spirit just because we're saved, why write to us and say, be filled with the Spirit? Right. Now, if Jesus tells us to be filled with the Spirit, how many think he's going to tell us how to do that? Right. The Greek scholars will tell you, if you dig into this and you dig into I, I do this a lot of times. If you dig into this, you'll find out that the Greek, because the New Testament was translated from Greek manuscripts, if you read this in the original language it was translated in 2,000 years ago, it says this, be being filled with the Spirit. It's a play on words in the Greek, in the original language, denoting an ongoing, continuous, fresh fellowship with God. Nothing stale. Oh, do you realize this world, if you get too close to this world, it will suck you into things that will cool your affection toward the Lord. This is something we have to make room for and make some changes to see that it happens in our lives. 
There are a ton of believers in terrible problems today, and those problems are not getting fixed for one simple reason. They're not interested in being filled with the helper that God sent to the earth realm. There's not two helpers. One. He's called the helper, capital H. Well, I want help, God. I need help. My marriage is falling apart. And God says, yeah, go to that church that believes in the Holy Spirit. I don't resist those thoughts. I'm going to a crazy church that speaks in tongues. But God, help me, please. Oh, but God, help me, please. Oh, God, help me. I have these terrible problems with fear and paranoia. Oh, God, help me. And God says, remember that church that preaches the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues? Go there. I don't know. That's not God talking about. I'm not going to a church and speaking in no tongues. But God, please help me. Well, where is he going to point you? There's only one helper. And if you need help in the earth realm, you need the Holy Spirit. And it just makes sense, right? If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you probably ain't going to need as much help right. in areas that you've been needing help. Right. So he says, don't be drunk with wine. One translation says, don't get your stimulus from wine. Let the Spirit stimulate your souls. You know, really the whole thing about drinking and wine and all that, the real issue about it is, number one, why do people want alcohol so bad? Number two, we got something way better. Yes. You know, I, I, I look at me as kind of a normal, rational guy. <laughs> My wife is like going, I don't know. We'll talk about wives submit to your husbands later. <laughs> Calling them Lord. <clears throat> Oh, she's knuckle bumping me, barely. Where was I? Yeah, I'm a normal, rational guy, right? I mean, I, 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 but you know, I speak in tongues every single day of my life. And I used to think it was weird to speak in tongues. Then I got saved, started reading the Bible, started doing what it actually said. And I start realizing, for me, it's weird not to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking. If it's available and I'm not appropriate, that's interesting. God's saying, I want to fill you. I'll help you pray in a language that you're not limited to your mental understanding anymore. I'll help you get, break up a hotline to heaven. I'll help you pray powerfully. I'll help you enter into supernatural strength and rest. And we go, I'm not interested. It's like, okay, you're not interested in God filling your life, having His peace, His joy, His success, His mind. There's two things the devil fights more than anything in this earth realm. Number one, he fights to keep people thinking they don't need Jesus, they don't need salvation. If he cannot win in that area and somebody hears the gospel, they believe in Jesus and they get saved, he's got to go to the next thing. Now that you're a born-again Christian, I'm telling you, the number one thing he's going to fight is you being initially filled with the Holy Spirit and maintaining a spirit-filled life. If I had time, and oh, I do, because I'm going to be around forever, just not sure you're going to come back every service. But man, I could tell you testimony after testimony after hellish experience, demonic attack, life-threatening problems, things coming against me personally, our family, our marriage, our ministry, my entire life. If I had time to... I'm telling you, we have gone through stuff. You're not supposed to make it through one one-hundredth of what we've gone through. And it's not because we're super special, although I am the disciple Jesus loves. 
And you can claim, you can claim the same thing. Right? You get what you say, right? And believe. Uh, but it's, you, know, you know what God is through? You know what keeps us strong? I know some of you aren't probably going to believe this. If I told you half of what we've been through, you'd go, what in the world are you still alive for? I mean, we're talking stuff that you don't, you're not supposed to make it through. But the paracletos helped us to go past the breaking point, past, way past a human being could handle. I know you think, well, Pastor, Ms. Carl, oh, there's all, one of the number one reasons we are here today happy, looking good, feeling good, got a bright future. One of the reasons we're here is because a long time ago we got filled with the Holy Spirit and we decided to speak in tongues every day of our life. It is as it is normal a part of my life as eating food. When you, when you get filled with the Spirit and do the things that help you maintain a Spirit-filled life, you store up power for any test that comes your way in the future. I used to think, when I first started speaking in tongues, and I got filled with the Spirit and started speaking in tongues, when I first got, started speaking in tongues, I felt like it wasn't doing anything. I actually prayed for an hour in tongues one time, and I felt more tired after I was done praying than before. I thought, I thought I was supposed to be built up here. And the Lord said, you're checking the wrong part of your being to see if it worked. I didn't realize that I might be a little physically tired after an hour praying in tongues, but I stored up something spiritually so that when the next crisis came my way, I had power to overcome it. I could, I could tell you all these things. I, let me tell you this, and I've been through some stuff. There, one of the main reasons people never get up after the greatest mistake of their life and they never get back into the race, they, they always seem to be slow after that time. They're always feeling like this unworthiness, this guilt, and maybe they've listened to men more than God saying, well, you, you don't qualify anymore and you can't do this and you can't do that and, you know, you got to step out of this and you got to step out of that. Listen, man didn't call you. Don't let man tell you to step out of something God called you into. It's called let no man take your crown. Many people have let another person take their crown by those people talking them out of the ministry they were called to just because they made a few mistakes. The Bible admonishes us strongly. Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. And then he said, God will make him stand. I have a whole chapter in my book, How to Recover from the Greatest Mistakes of Your Life, entitled, Who God Uses. Very interesting list. Harlots, murderers, adulterers, drunkards. I mean, he used these people to do amazing things. They didn't stay in those state all their life. They, they, you know, God delivered them, but he, whom the world despises... God uses. It says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2. So, let me read you something out of Kenneth Hagin's book. Now, as I'm reading this, would you, would you mind looking at 2 Chronicles 2020? And if you do mind, would you do it anyway? <laughs> 2 Chronicles, I want to show you one verse here. Um, before I read this, I, I felt impressed to not rush this at all. Um, 
You know, a lot of people's problem is not that they're bad is the reason they keep falling into sin. It's they're weak and empty. Right. It's that they're weak and empty. They're, they have good heart. They, they love God. I mean, they, they're not blaspheming. And, but one of the reasons people keep falling into problems is because they're weak and they're empty. Let me put it this way. We're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Maintaining a Spirit-filled life. Makes sense, right? Do you know the number one reason people have problems in their life? Christians? Do you, do you know the number one reason Christians have problems? Depressions, fears, addictions, things they can't seem to kick. Do you know one reason they have those problems in their life? Huh? They have room for them. That's it. Million dollar answer. People have problems in their life because they have room for those problems. What if you're what if you made it a part of your lifestyle to hear a good sermon every day, even 15 minutes of a good sermon? You know what I mean by a good sermon? You know what your spirit reacts to best. Listen to it again. Yeah. You heard what you heard in church. Listen again. That's what the archives are for. Yep. To give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Lest that any time we let them slip. Not new stuff. Have heard. Come on, you don't just plant a seed. You've got to water the seed every day with the same water. Not different water, same water, every day, or every week at least. For the Christian life, I say every day. Aren't you glad you can't overdose on the Word? <laughs> and you can't overdose on being filled with the Spirit. But you can get so filled with the Holy Spirit, you stagger around like a drunk man. Nothing bothers you, you're happy with a joy this world can't give or take away. And we have meetings like that sometimes where we actually get to a point of overflow corporately. And it's awesome. So let me, let me read this scripture, 2 Chronicles 20, 20. And one, then I'll read something out of Brother Hagin's book. They rose up early in the morning, went forth into... And I believe, did Dominic read this or did you read this the other day? One of you guys read this. Anyway, I think you read it during our worship night. Jehoshaphat. Oh, yeah. They rose up early in the morning and went forth to the wilderness of Tekoa. And they went forth. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. I mean, to realize sometimes God's got words for us from people who are anointed of him to prophesy things into our life. Believe in the Lord your God, you'll be established. Believe his prophets, and you're going to prosper. Whatever area you need to prosper in. So, I wanted to say that because I'm going to read you something out of a book here called Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. This is actually a new cover. If some of you are wondering, I've worn the other copy out and they uh, revised the cover since then. But I'm going to read you something. This is a book that was written uh, just after 1987. Kenneth E. Hagan is in heaven now. He's my spiritual father, one of them. Paul said you have not many fathers, so you could have more than one in the faith. But Kenneth Hagan is in heaven now, but he lived the life of a prophet of God. And he basically, the Lord used him in areas of revelation and having visions and seeing things. And, um, and there's nothing that, you know, I don't think I ever heard him say he was a prophet himself. People that are always calling themselves this and calling themselves that. How about we just let 
the power of the office speak for itself. Yes. Right? I know if I just get a fancier business card, then they'll believe I'm a pastor. How about just be a pastor and they'll see the power of a pastor in your life and you won't even have to call yourself a pastor. You know what I mean? So he said that the prophet of God, can, this is a prophet to our generation. Now in 1 Corinthians 12, um, you, you can go there if you want on the overhead, but in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, the Bible says God has set some in the New Testament church. First apostles, secondarily prophets. Thirdly, teachers, after that, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. That's all in 1 first, first Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. And there it is right there. This is talking to a New Testament church, just like us, the church at Corinth. God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, and so on. There are prophets in the church today. These are people that stand in an office, ordained by God, called by God, to help the body of Christ in certain areas that we would need from this prophet's anointing. Revelation, sometimes concerning things of the future. Um, there, there's certain uh, powers that go with the office of a prophet, and if you don't have those powers, you're not a prophet, even if you call yourself one. But Kenneth Hagin operated, I think the Lord appeared to him like seven times plus, and this was a visitation in 1987, and the Lord, around two or three in the morning, actually caught up Brother Hagin in the spirit above the Tulsa Convention Center and the Lord started narrating an upcoming meeting Brother Hagin was about to have called Camp Meeting about some things that needed to be adjusted in the church so that Brother Hagin could teach on those things and help bring some correction to the body of Christ. It was about a three-hour visitation. Talked to him about New Testament worship and talked to him about um, how some are still getting in the flesh in worship services. They're not really worshiping in the Spirit. They're worshiping more like they did in the Old Covenant and they didn't have the Holy Spirit like we have the Holy Spirit. Goes into this whole discourse on some things that the body of Christ needed to be corrected in. For three hours, the Lord standing with Brother Hagin above the Tulsa Convention Center, looking through the ceiling and seeing a meeting that was going to happen in a week from then. Saw the future. And whether you believe it or not, doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not trying to make you believe anything. Just listen to the Holy Ghost. But I know Brother Hagin is a prophet of God. I know he was sent to our generation to teach us faith and how to be led by the Spirit and some other things. And he said in this book, he's, this whole book is about that 1987 visitation a week before camp meeting. And so in this chapter, he entitles it, Be Being Filled, Speaking. So I want to say this here. Here's Brother Hagin. He said, following our 1987 camp meeting, someone asked me, Brother Hagin, what did Jesus emphasize the most during his three-hour visitation with you? Good question. Wouldn't you like to know? All right, prophet of God, Jesus talked to you for three hours in the Spirit through a vision. Did he emphasize anything above anything else? Did he, did he make a greater point in one area than another? And that's what he's asking Brother Hagin here. In your visitation, Brother Hagin, did Jesus emphasize, what did he emphasize the most during his three-hour visitation with you? Brother Hagin said, without question, what Jesus emphasized most is what, we be, is what we will be discussing in this chapter. And then he said, Jesus said to me, quote, anybody want to hear what the Lord said to Brother Hagin verbatim? This is Jesus talking to the prophet, who has great influence in the church worldwide to get a message to all God's people. How about a drum roll? <laughs> Jesus said to me, all right, 
My plan, Jesus said, my plan under the new covenant is for every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I thought I knew what that meant back then when I heard that. I said, yeah, that's me. I'm filled. I got that. Jesus, what, what next? He said, no, you, you, you obviously didn't hear something. Because he said, this was for me too. People that have had an experience of being filled with the Spirit. I had to slow down and say, Lord, all right, you're saying it's your plan for every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, is there something about being filled with the Spirit that I, who've been thinking I'm a Spirit-filled Christian, need to know? He said, oh, yes. And I taught like seven or eight weeks on it in 2018. Barely scratched the surface of what we need to hear. Tons of revelations started coming to me about this. I started realizing, you know, just because I had an experience two weeks ago and spoke with tongues doesn't mean I'm filled with the Spirit today. People say, well, that person, I can't, I can't believe that person that, that broke into that, that store and stole, and stole those pharmaceutical drugs. I can't believe they're, they're a spirit-filled Christian. Friend, at that day, they were not spirit-filled. They might have been a believer, but that day, they were not spirit-filled. Because you don't want to break into places and steal things when you're filled with the Spirit. Now, you may have overpowering desires when you're born again, and you may, not, you may choose not to control those desires and do something stupid, but when you're filled with the Spirit, you are way, way on the advantage. I just looked at the clock, and I'm going to have to close here. In, he said here, in our, this is Brother Hagen talking, in our own individual lives, the New Testament emphasis being filled with the Spirit is being filled with the Spirit. Jesus directed me to Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, which I knew well. He discussed with me in detail everything I've included in this chapter. So one scripture before we go, go with me to Philippians 4. One of the greatest things about living a spirit-filled life. And I'm, as you stick with these sessions, guys, I'm going to tell you in detail, with the help of the Lord, I'm going to even learn some things as I'm teaching, how to maintain a spirit-filled life. I, I believe it has a lot to do with your first thoughts that you choose to meditate on when, you, when your eyes open, or even before your eyes open. I believe it has a lot to do with the first words that come out of your mouth. You know, what you do first affects the rest. Sure. I mean, even in the area of tithing, did you ever notice in the New Testament, which a lot of people say tithing's not in the New Testament, they've never read the New Testament. It's, it's in the New Testament more than once, more than twice, more than three times. But there's a scripture in Romans that says, the book of Romans, New Testament says, if the first fruits be holy, if you take a first portion off of your increase and give it to the Lord, the lump that you get to keep is now holy. Yep. Did you ever think about that? He said, if the first fruit's holy, the lump's also holy. How many want your lump blessed? <laughs> How many want your lump protected by God? Yeah. Then you might want to get him as your senior partner in that area and say, here, Lord, I'm giving you the first off of all our increase. That makes God your senior partner. And if God's your senior partner, sleep well, my friend. Everything's going to be all right. Yes. <laughs> so let's go to this scripture. Where did I say go? Philippians, Philippians chapter 1. One of the greatest things, Philippians 4. One of the greatest things about being filled with the Holy Spirit is it, I don't want to put this, it, I was going to say tweaks, but that's not strong enough. It, it improves 
your wants. And this will help you in your own personal life. Can I tell you the number one reason Christians keep sinning? Can I tell you? Their want for the sin is stronger than their want for the things of God. If we keep calling sin our problems, we're never going to repent and get totally free. How about we call sin, sin? Everybody's done it. Nothing to be embarrassed about. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. If you've got to sin in your life, repent. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't want people to know I've sinned. They sin too. <laughs> Plus, if they're good Christians, they're not going to judge you. They're going to try to help you and cover you and lift you up. It's, you know, we're living in a time right now, this decade is going to be a decade of really getting some things fixed. And some of it's going to include a little growing pains. But you know, one of the number one problems when it comes to Christians falling into sin, I'm just, let's just be honest, because if you're not honest, you can't fix it. They just want that thing more than they want to do what God wants them to do. What if there was something that would actually help your will? What do you mean? Uh, if I really want some, how do I not really want it anymore? With the help of the Lord, right? Who's greater than all. He created your will. He gave you free will, volition. There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 7. You know what it says? And it's talking in an area about, you know, um, physical attraction with the opposite sex and uh, marriage or not being married. What, he said, he said, he that stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity and power over his own will. Do you hear that phrase? Power over his own will. How do you have power over your own will that seems overpowering right now? Something greater in your life than your own will and desires. It's not hard to live a holy life if you're filled with the holy Spirit every day of your life. I know as a pastor, there's been times I, I, I knew I'm preaching something that spirit-filled people need to hear, but half the people aren't spirit-filled. If I don't slow down a little bit, they're going to choke and be frustrated and say, I can't do it. And I think pastors have to watch out about that, about preaching messages for spirit-filled believers, and they're not spirit-filled. You can actually frustrate them. You know what a greatest message for somebody who's not spirit-filled? <laughs> Be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> right? It's life-saving. So go ahead and read this verse here in Philippians 4, verse 13, and we will close with this. Paul said, I can do all things through... Isn't it interesting he didn't say Jesus? Why would he say Christ instead of Jesus? Because doing all things is not just based on you being saved. It's based on you having an anointing in your life. Christ means anointing. The Holy Spirit is influencing you. He's not just in you and you have a well of water springing up to everlasting life. He is, he is consuming you and you can do all things until you get to heaven that you need to do. Would that include overcoming an addiction? Yes. Would that include uh, praying more effectively for people that you want to see more results in your prayer life? What, 
What, what doesn't this include? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. What? So, so really, we, we, can't, we can't say I can't. <laughs> That's just not a good excuse for a believer with even just a little understanding. Well, Pastor, I just can't overcome. Number one, stop cursing yourself by saying you can't do something that Jesus said you can do. You saying you can't overcome? You saying you have to live in a curse? No. You may, you, may, you may feel like you can't overcome. You may feel like it's over. You may feel like it's a dead end. I don't mean it's a dead end. I don't mean it's over. It just means you feel like it's over. Because you feel like it's over doesn't mean it's over. You just feel like it's over. There's something higher than feelings. It's called God and His Word. All, all, all through life, you're going to feel like it's over. I feel like I'm never going to recover. That's just feelings. Right. Feelings are like a roller coaster. Yep. Man, if you're going by your feelings, you're going to be one dizzy believer. <laughs> That's right. I was talking to Hunter on the way home from a trip we took this last week about flying airplanes because he's interested in, in learning how to fly, and I'm really glad he is because I see it in the future. But... Um, <laughs> And we were talking about, you know, going from, uh, what do you call it, where you can fly without, in, without being instrument rated. Then you go to instrument rated Christian, or instrument rated piloting. And it's when you're, you fly through clouds, fly through storms. Because if you don't know how to fly an airplane by instruments, and you hit a storm, it'll mess with your equilibrium. It'll mess with, you'll think you're upside down, you're totally right side up. You think you're going up, but you're really going down. People have died because they weren't instrument rated when they got into fog. Because... Everything felt one way, but it was totally a different way. Say this, I, I am an instrument-rated believer. If it looks like it's over, I believe I always win. If it looks like the sickness will never end, I believe by His stripes I was healed. If it looks like I'm going to be broke forever, I believe God's supplying all my need. See, you've gone from feeling to instruments, and that's a good thing. So, in closing, just, just remember this. As a believer, if you want more help in this area of wanting to do what's right, live a Spirit-filled life. Because when you live a Spirit-filled life, and the reason, see, here's the thing. This is God's will for our life. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Be filled with the Spirit. Yes, Yes, He'll give you direction at times to do certain things. But this is just as much the will of God to be filled with the Spirit as any specific direction He'd give us in our life. People, people say, what's the will of God, Pastor? What's the will of God for my life? Well, number one, be filled with the Spirit. And then when you're filled with the Spirit, it won't be such a mystery what He wants you to do. And you'll actually want to do it and be empowered to be successful in it. Yeah. I encourage you, church. Start this immediately. I know I haven't given you a lot on how to, but that's coming. If you want to go back and listen to archives in the beginning of 2018, they're on the Internet. Even last week was great. Just, just, just guard your mornings as much as you can. And make sure that you look at being filled with the Spirit as important as putting your clothes on before you leave the house. Anybody think that's important? <laughs> Please say amen. I have to preach a whole different message next week. It's important to wear your clothes. It's how many things it's important to, to just take a shower once in a while. Well, your, your life is molded to that. It need, we need to, there needs to be a chunk of time. I say morning and night, because the Bible talks about day and night, where you're feeding on something 
that stirs your spirit up. A sermon, a song. You're reading scripture. You're praying in the spirit. You're worshiping God. And then before you leave your house now, you might, have a thousand, might, have, might not have a thousand tingles about you or whatever, but you're leaving with an awareness. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I may not feel it, but you know what? I stored up power. The test comes my way. Guess what? I win. Let's stand up. Anybody having fun today besides the preacher? <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Let's pray, and then I'm going to ask Rich to close. And altar ministry workers, you can come forward at this time, please. Father, thank you so very much. I know, Lord, that you're going to help us all even beyond this service. You're going to expound these things to us. You're going to give us thoughts and ideas from your word. And we're going to maintain a spirit-filled life, and we're going to live above the storm. And we're going to have power to help people like we've never stirred up before. Thank you, Father, for helping us to overcome things in our own life. Thank you for the privilege of living a spirit-filled life. Thank you for the power that is available to every believer. Oh, Lord, power. Mm. Power to not only personally live in victory, but to share it with the people around us. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege of being filled with the Spirit. Say this, Jesus, thank you for filling me with the Holy Spirit. I believe I'm on the right track. And things will unfold and help me greatly to do this part of your will for my life. I have no doubt that you're helping me to be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen.